Good evening and welcome tonight to our evening worship service. If you're listening and you're out there in the entryway, just make your way in. I have a couple of things I want to say before we begin with the call to worship. Uh, one is if, of course, you're visiting tonight, we're in the middle of a something of a construction project. For those of you who are here every week and you're wondering, well, is this where we thought we were going to be by this time and this week? The answer is yes. So good progress is being made, and from what I understand, nothing unusual has turned up, which is really good. And then I also wanted to note three other things in terms of people either in our congregation or connected with our congregation. These were emails that were sent out last week, and if you don't get those emails, you might not know the following, so I'll just run through them very quickly and then maybe say a word of prayer for these three uh, people. The first is you may have heard that during this past week, uh, Cassie Baker was in a car accident. She was expecting, and uh, her little girl, uh, Tom and Cassie's little girl, Everly, was born this past week. If you've seen the update, she first was uh, being supplied with oxygen, and she had a CPAP. Both of those have been removed, and she's doing very well, although she's a very tiny little girl since she was born a bit early. So we're very thankful that Cassie is okay. She does have some injuries that she'll have to heal from and that Everly was born safely. So we'll give praise for that. Some of you might also have heard that Bryce Roth, um, a young man who was connected with our congregation, was in a work accident and suffered third-degree burns over 30% of his body. So you can imagine how much time he'll need in order to heal. So we'll pray for him and his family. And then you might have also noted an email from my wife, Karen. She has a very important doctor's visit coming up on Tuesday morning. So let's bow before we begin our worship service and pray for these three folks, and then we'll hear our call to worship. Father, it is in your design that difficult as well as easy things come into our lives, and we are thankful that in both you are still God. And we pray tonight for the Baker family, and we rejoice with them in the healthy birth of Everly. We're thankful you spared Cassie in the accident that she uh, that she was a part of, and we pray that you would give her healing, you would spare her from pain, and that little Everly would continue to grow and develop while in the hospital until she's able to come home. We also pray for Bryce, that you would give him relief from the pain he is certainly feeling, and we do pray that um, the scarring and the, the um, recovery that he uh, must go, undergo would go far more easily than we might anticipate. We pray that you would be with him and his parents and his siblings during this very trying time. And then we pray for Karen as well as she has this doctor's appointment on Tuesday. Father, we pray that uh, you would give her doctors wisdom to know how to treat her and that this appointment would be part of that whole process of discerning how is the best course of treatment. Father, we lay these things before you as we worship you tonight because you are God over all things. And because you are God not only on Sunday, but from Monday through Saturday as well, we are very grateful to spend some time tonight worshiping you. And so it is in the precious name of Jesus we bring these folks before you. Amen. Tonight we hear this call to worship from Psalm 9, verses 7 and 8. And I want to emphasize the word forever that is found in these verses. Because tonight as we hear from Ezra... There's certainly ups and downs to life, even when we have the best of intentions in mind. But I want you to know that the God that you come to worship tonight is a God who's stable and strong and whose power lasts forever. The psalmist says, but the Lord sits enthroned forever. He has established his throne for justice. 
And he judges the world with righteousness. He judges the people with uprightness. This is God's great and encouraging word. Would you stand and sing with me, Jesus shall reign where'er the sun. together. Father, this is an absolute truth that Jesus Christ shall reign. We don't see that every day. We go about our lives and we are so involved with our work and our family, whatever it is you've given us to take up our time. And very rarely do we stop and reflect for a moment that in the middle of the difficulty as well as the joys, Jesus Christ is reigning, that you're working out a good thing 
And we pray tonight in your presence as we worship you, you would emphasize to us that you are not a God who's far away, just observing all that's happening in this earth without interest, but you are a God who's working. You're a God who's busy in our lives individually and together as a congregation. We want to hear that you're a good God. We want to know that in Jesus Christ we belong to you and that your work for us is a work that not only brings you glory, but it's also for our good. Father, open our hearts to hear your word and speak powerfully to us tonight. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing, We Are God's People. privilege of praying this evening for the Potter's House here in Grand Rapids. 
If you don't know, the Potter's House began in 1974 with a small group of college graduates who started a weekly program called Kid Power for hundreds, as it grew, of neighborhood kids. In 1981, they began an elementary school to serve academic, emotional, and spiritual needs of children in the neighborhood and began reaching out. Um, they began in the basement of nearby Granville Avenue CRC Church with 12 elementary age students and two volunteer teachers. A middle school program started in 1992 and in 1998 a high school program. And now at nearly 50 years, the Potter's House enrolls more than 620 students from more than 30 countries. The Potter's House provides a Christ-centered education, teaching students of all ethnic heritages, all income levels, and equipping students to serve God and society. The Potter's House's core values include encountering Jesus through prayer and dependence on the Holy Spirit, aligning with his will, and being transformed by his sacrificial and life-giving love. Discipleship through academic excellence, shaping the heart, soul, and mind, and strength of the community in which the students live and community serve, and seeing Jesus reflected in the love of the Lord and loving our neighbors. Please join me now as we pray. As uh, the Potter's House has asked, uh, several of these requests, Gracious Heavenly Father, we give thanks for the Potter's House. We pray for their leadership and its Christ-centered vision. We pray that the Potter's House remains committed to educating students, not otherwise having access to a Christ-centered school, and that students listen, learn, and strive to be believers and Christ followers. We pray the Potter's House remains focused on its five strategic priorities, learning as faithful disciples, pursuing a sustainable future, fostering a beloved community, partnering in a neighborhood flourishing, and expanding its advocacy for Christ-centered education. We pray the Potter's House continues to serve as a resource for churches, community groups, nonprofits, and school children. In the power of Christ's name we pray. Amen. As able, please stand for a song of thanksgiving. Take time to be holy.
please join me as I pray a prayer of thanksgiving. Father, your word says that every house is built by someone, but he who built everything is God. Lord, this morning when we came in, we, uh, we saw the progress that's been started on the uh, remodeling of this church. And Lord, uh, we wish to give thanks to you for the people that gave of their tithes, their offerings, their love gifts in order to uh, make that possible. It kind of reminds me of, the, of the, the gifts that were given, Lord, for the building of the tabernacle and even the uh, restoration of the temple in Jerusalem, which uh, Pastor Dan will shortly be discussing. Lord, in each case, Lord, you have raised up uh, individuals with a heart and a desire to give. And you've given so much to our church through this congregation. I think of the many ministries, Lord, that we have, that people have been volunteering their time, their money, their effort to fill the, the uh, various uh, ministries of education, the ministry of music, the ministry of caring for the uh, infants, the ministry, Lord, of uh, missions work. Uh, ministry, Lord, of the people, the deacons that set up all the tables for every time we have a, a fellowship time together, for those that even are cleaning all the floors and washing all the dishes, that stay late in the evening, Lord, after many people have left. Lord, I thank you for each and every individual that you've given us with a heart and a desire to serve. You've given people specific gifts for service. And Lord, I just thank you for that. I thank you that for this congregation, Lord, that you have given these gifts and they are being used to your service with love and affection. Lord, thank you for the, the blessings of fellowship of the brethren, for the joy that when we come to worship together, Lord, that fills this room with music and joy. Lord, we thank you for the encouragement of your holy word brought to us by the pastors, the men, Lord, that dedicate their time of hours and hours to search your scriptures to present the truth to us, Lord. And I thank you for Dan's effort tonight as he brings your word to us. Please grant him the power of your Holy Spirit as he speaks tonight to uh, present the truth in fullness to us. And that, Lord, our hearts would rejoice to receive that and would be, medit would be motivated, Lord, to follow diligently the things that he instructs us in. And, Lord, we thank you for the, the way that you help us to persevere, that you help us to hold fast to the, our confession of hope, love, and, and uh, faithfulness. So, Lord, thank you for all of these things for our church for your glory and honor, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.
Well, if you would turn with me in your copies of Scripture to Ezra chapter 5. Copies of Scripture or the Bible that's maybe in uh, the pew in front of you. You could follow along on the screen. You you might want to have your Bible out, though, just in terms of, of following along. Ezra 5. So several weeks ago I had COVID. I, I was scheduled to preach on Ezra 3, and, and Jeff, uh, Jeff graciously stepped in uh, and, and wrote up a sermon and, and preached it very well. And I have to say, as much as I enjoyed the sermon, I was sad that I didn't get to preach it. I love this book, uh, and so I'm so thrilled uh, that we can be in this book together. Ezra chapter 5, this is the word of our God. Now the prophets Haggai and Zechariah, the son of Edu, prophesied to the Jews who were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel who was over them. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Jeshua, the son of Josadak, arose and began to rebuild the house of God that is in Jerusalem. And the prophets of God were with them, supporting them. At the the same time, Tatani, the governor of the province beyond the river, and uh, Shetnar Bozni and their associates came to them and spoke to them thus, Who gave you a decree to build this house and to finish this structure? They also asked them this, What are the names of the men who are building this building? But the eye of their God was on the elders of the Jews, and they did not stop them until the report should reach Darius, and then return and an answer be returned by a letter concerning it. This is a copy of the letter that Tatani, the governor of the province beyond the river, and Shethar Bozni and his associates, the governors who were in the province beyond the river, sent to Darius, the king. They sent him a report in which, the follow, uh, in which was written as follows. To Darius the king, all peace. Be it known to the king that we were in the province of Judah, to the house of the great God. It is being built with huge stones and timber is laid in the walls. This work goes on diligently and prospers in their hands. Then we asked these, uh, those elders and spoke to them thus, Who gave you a decree to build this house and to finish this structure? We also asked them their names for your, uh, for your information that we might write down the names of their leaders. And this was their reply to us. We are the servants of the God of heaven and earth and are rebuilding the house that was built many years ago, which a great king of Israel built and finished. But because our fathers had angered the God of heaven, he gave them into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, the Chaldean, who destroyed this house and carried away the people to to Babylonia. However, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Babylon, Cyrus, the king, made a decree that this house of God should be rebuilt. And the gold and silver vessels of the house of God, which Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple that was in, the, that was in Jerusalem and brought into the temple of Babylon, 
These Cyrus the king took out of the temple of Babylon, and they were delivered to one whose name was Sheshbazar, whom he made governor. And he said to him, Take these vessels, go and put them in the, in the temple that is in Jerusalem, and let the house of God be rebuilt on its site. Then this Sheshbazar came and laid the foundations of the house of God that is in Jerusalem, and from that time until now it has been building and is not yet finished. Therefore, if it seems good to the king, let search be made in the royal archives there in Babylon to see whether a decree was issued by Cyrus the king for the rebuilding of this house of God in Jerusalem. And let the king send us his pleasure in this matter. So far the reading of God's word. Let's ask his blessing now. Our God and Father, Lord, we do seek your blessing as we come to your word, Lord. We know that your truth is discerned spiritually. It's not something that comes from the flesh. It's not something derived by our intellect, Lord, but understanding comes by the work of your spirit. And so we pray, Lord, that by your spirit you would strengthen us to to comprehend the truths that are in your word, that we would understand the love that you have for your people, Lord, and that we would be built up in our faith. Father, we ask that you, you would set our eyes upon Christ, that we would find our delight and joy in him, and that, that this message would, would center us more on him. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the last time we were in the book of Ezra, the Israelites had begun the, the work of rebuilding the temple. They had even laid the foundation. But as soon as, as soon as they started to get to further work, they began to face fierce opposition. They, they had reinstituted the worship of Yahweh, and things were looking very promising. Uh, but what we see whenever we, we finished in chapter 4, looking at verse 24, we read there, then the work on the house of God that is in Jerusalem stopped, and it ceased until the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. The harsh opposition that the Israelites had, had faced led to them stopping in their work on the temple and left us with A few cliffhangers. Is this temple for Yahweh going to be completed? Will anything move this people forward to return to their work? It's to both of these questions, chapter 5 answers and helps us to see that this, how this discouraged people move into action. It's the Lord himself, the very God who delivered them out of their exile and brought them into the land. He is not done with them, even though they may be done with their work. God is still committed to his people's good and turning their discouragement into confidence. Redeemer, this is good news for you as well, because you will face all sorts of spiritual discouragement. You might experience opposition for your faith, just as the Israelites did uh, here in Ezra. You might know the pain of a church that fails you or 
or maybe the dried out prayer life that you're currently experiencing or any number of spiritual challenges that might lead you into discouragement. And you need to know that God is not done with you, that you're not alone, but that he still sees and speaks to us in the midst of our discouragement. He can still renew and revive our hearts. And that's the chief takeaway from tonight's message. When we face spiritual discouragement, we can find renewal in the God who speaks to us and sees us. We can find renewal in the God who speaks to us and sees us. That may not be immediately clear here in this, this history of what's going on, this account. In, in some ways, it's, it's filled with a report about have the Israelites done the proper, uh, you know, have they sought the, the proper coding? Are they in violation? Those kinds of things. But this passage wants us to see how we might be renewed by God. But before we get there, we need to consider something that is maybe not so explicit in the words of chapter 5, but implied on the basis of, of what's come before. And by this I mean the, the discouragement the Israelites have been experiencing. And you may be thinking to yourself, well, well Dan, you're making a lot of you're making a pretty big claim here that the Israelites were experienced, but they haven't said they're discouraged. There's nothing there that says that. Where are you getting that from? We know for, for two reasons why. The first is the amount of time that has taken for them uh, to come to the, this work. When we arrive in chapter 5, one commentator notes that it's been 16 years since the work on the temple began, since, since chapter 3, verse 1, it's been 16 years. To put that into perspective, a, a child born today would, would be able to take their driver's license test. Some of you have recently done that. You imagine your entire life working on, on the church building. It's not moving forward. Imagine... Lord willing, this does not happen. This, this area sits here for 16 years. You, you drive past it and see, you know, there it is. There's, there's the heap that we started, but we've not, we've not completed. 16 years. You, you thought the road projects around here were bad. It's not because they didn't have the necessary supplies. They had everything they needed. It's not because they didn't have the expertise required to build the temple. They're discouraged because of the harsh opposition. And not only that, you can imagine how hard it would be to start back on a project after such a time. We see also there's a second sign of discouragement. And that's actually in verse 1. We read there, it says, Now the prophets, Haggai and Zechariah, the son of Edu, prophesied to the Jews who were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel who was over them. If other names in this book haven't grabbed you so far, you might be more familiar with these names. Haggai and Zechariah are at the end of our Old Testament, just before the book of Malachi. They are prophets who were ministering at the same time as the people had been brought out of exile. 
And both books give us a picture of the discouragement that the Israelites were experiencing here. Haggai is, is a short book. It's, it's two chapters. Uh, but the central message is found in Haggai 1, verses 4 uh, and 5. It says, Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? That is the temple. Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Haggai is noting that the Israelites have become distracted because of their discouragement at the opposition that they faced. They've turned to other projects, namely building up their own houses, that they might be nice, that where they live might be taken care of. Now, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but, but it is not the chief reason why the Lord has brought them back to Jerusalem. They are to rebuild the temple. He has supplied the, all of the supplies they need. He's given them the, proper, uh, the proper, proper authorization that they needed. And yet they have become distracted. It's important to note that, that oftentimes distraction is the fruit of discouragement. When we become discouraged about a particular project that we're investing in and it's not working out well, we, we get distracted. I'm just going to focus my attention over here. I want to do things that, that I can do and, and succeed at and that will make me feel good. We get distracted. That's what Haggai is prophesying to. But, Mal, uh, but we see with with Zechariah, the, the focus is on encouraging those who desi- uh, despise the day of small things. That's what it says in, in Zechariah 4. Like distraction, despite is the fruit of discouragement. We, we grow angry. We grow hostile. We get mad when, we, when we're discouraged. We get frustrated. You can even see that in a little toddler trying to put pieces of the puzzle together and saying, this should work. This should work. And they get angry. We know what this is like. When we become discouraged, we get distracted on other things or we might be filled with anger and frustration and, and grow bitter that things have not worked out as, as they should and this can be especially true of, of spiritual things as well. When we're not growing like we thought we should, when our children were not walking with the Lord in the way that we had hoped they would, whenever we see a friend depart from the faith, those, those kinds of experiences can be discouraging. And they can lead you to be off mission, off focus, can lead you to anger, and bitterness. This is exactly where the Israelites are. And they need something or someone to break up the spiritual discouragement that they're feeling. And that's where we see signs of renewal. That's, that's this, this big rock that we need to understand here in Ezra 5. We see that renewal comes to Israel. And that's the main focus. And renewal starts with the prophets coming and bringing a message. Their messages were, simple, uh, were not 
simply messages of, of judgment and future restoration like many of the earlier prophets. If you read through uh, Isaiah and Ezekiel or Hosea, uh, many of those pa- prophets are prophesying in that way. Uh, but Haggai and Zechariah particularly are focused on challenging and encouraging the Israelites who have returned to get back to work. This is what the Lord has called you to, and, and, and painting a glorious picture of what, what the Lord will do through their efforts. They hear this message from Haggai and Zechariah. The, the temple will be re- rebuilt. God will make sure this is certain, just as surely as he brought you out of exile, so surely will the temple be completed. The message is one of warning, but, but ultimately encouragement that, that their work is not in vain. And we see this leads them to restart the, the work. We, we look, see that in verse 2. It says, Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Josadak, arose and began to rebuild the house of God that is in Jerusalem. And the prophets of God were with them and supporting them. The leaders are invigorated. And they lead the people to start back their work again. It's not that the opposition is necessarily gone. We'll see that here in a second. But their discouragement has been changed into confidence. They believe in what they're doing. They go about it diligently and persist in that work. And the rest of chapter 5 helps us to see that indeed this renewal is genuine. This isn't just a passing fad, but they persevere in their work on the temple. We read in verses 3 through 5, it says, At the same time, Tatnai the governor of the province of beyond the river and Shethar Boznai and their associates came to them and spoke to them thus, Who gave you a decree to build this house and to finish this structure? Now, it might be really easy to try to sympathize with Tatnai. You know, you think, well, this is, this is not right out, outright opposition. This isn't the same as what they were experiencing back in chapter 4. This is just some guy doing his job. He's a government worker. He's just checking the permits. That's all, this is all this is. But, but as, uh, I, I, I learned from one of, of my most respected and, and beloved Old Testament scholars. He said, there's a difference between being uh, a government worker and being a persnickety government worker. And this guy is a persnickety one. He, was, he and his entourage have come to rough up the Israelites some and ask them, who gave them the authority to work on this temple? And he collects their names. You know, who are you? What do you come to do? Let, let, let's, let's put names on paper. Let's see if you're ready to own this. And then we see that Tatnai tattletales to King Darius of what is happening with their response. Despite this treatment, despite being roughed up a little bit, we see that the Israelites continue to work, do their work. And, and we read that they continue to do their work even as they wait for a response. They're not waiting to see, well, you know, how, how is he going to rule on this or not? No, they continue their work. They persevere. 
The letter that we read in verses 6 through 17 largely recount details that, that have already been discussed in chapter 1 or are going to be really important in, in the next chapter. And I don't want to spoil the next sermon with this. But notice how they responded when asked who they are in verse 11. We read there, And this was their reply. We are the servants of the God of heaven and earth, and we are rebuilding the house that was built many years ago, which a great king of Israel built and finished. They are the servants of the God of heaven and earth. The Israelites have been renewed from their discouragement to confidence in who God is and what they are called to be, what they're called to do. We'll see the result of, of this letter of, from Tatnai next time. But it's important to see that the true source of Israelites' renewal. We could lose focus on, on how this renewal is coming about. We need to see the source of it. We saw that the, the, the changing point after such a long time was the word proclaimed by Haggai and Zechariah. That was, that was the, the point that, that the story changes. And some might conclude from this that renewal comes from strong, charismatic leadership. Are we experiencing a time of, of spiritual discouragement? Let's find a strong, charismatic preacher who will really beat us up in, in sermons and inspire us to do more and give more. And that's going to be the way that we are renewed. That feels like a very natural response to this passage. We need to find our Haggai and our Zechariah. But that misses out on the true sp source of spiritual renewal. The point is not the prophets. No, the point is the renewal that comes as the work of God and his people. It's the fact that, that God is the one who is speaking to, to them through his prophets. Haggai and Zechariah make this very plain. Haggai 1.5 Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts. That's God speaking. Zechariah 1 In the eighth month, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, son of Edu, saying, The Lord was very angry with your fathers. Therefore say to them, Thus declares the Lord of hosts, Return to me, says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Again and again, says the Lord of hosts. It is God speaking to his people that leads to their renewal. But we also see in verse 5, it, it's, it's also that the Lord is the one who sees them. Verse 5, it says, But the eye of their God was on the elders of the Jews, and they did not stop until the report should reach Darius. When you were a kid, if, if someone said that they had their eye on you, that was usually not a good thing, at least where I grew up in Texas. That, that was, meant I was in a lot of trouble. But when we see in many places of Scripture, for the Lord to have his eye on you is to say that he has set his favor and his care. His presence is, is with you 
to strengthen you to do the thing that you're doing. We, we read in Psalm 33, verse 18, it says, Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love. The Lord speaks, and the Lord sees, and causes springs of living water to, to erupt in the desert, in the dry land. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this is good news for us. It's good news for when you yourself face spiritual discouragement. For your God, your sovereign, is the very same as the God of the Israelites in Ezra. But what the Israelites had was mere shadows compared to the light that we have in Christ. Why do I say that? I'm just reflecting on what the author of Hebrews states in Hebrews 1. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Literally, in his son, he has spoken to us. As good as the prophets Haggai and Zechariah were, they were limited to the, the, what they received, but But Jesus is God himself in in the flesh, revealing his will, telling us of his love, and and offering himself up as as the ultimate sign of of who God is, that God is, is for his people. We see Jesus' message is 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 even more robust, even more full than that of Haggai and Zechariah. They They prophesied of a future glory in the temple, and yet it's Jesus who said, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. He was speaking about the temple of his body. The prophets pointed to Christ, but Jesus pointed to himself as the fulfillment of of God's promises to his people. And it it is in this Jesus who says to his church, with the words of Isaiah 41, When the poor and the needy seek water and there is none and their tongue is parched with thirst, I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. That's that's Jesus to us. Ultimately, it is the ascended Christ who went to the cross for the disobedience of his people who was exiled from the land of the living and who was raised in glory that now pours out his spirit on his people that we might receive strength and courage and renewal, that we might live before him in joy and in praise. If God has revealed even more robustly and clearly in Jesus his blessing and favor towards his church, should we not have even more reason to seek renewal from him when we face spiritual discouragement. I, I don't know where all of you are, but I, but I know for many of you, these past several years have been discouraging and frustrating. Things have not gone the way that maybe we hoped. And it's really easy to get distracted It's really easy to start focusing on other things. Start focusing on on our house, taking care of of ours rather than focused on what the Lord has called us to. 
we despise these days. We despise the last several years and say, Lord, there's nothing good that you could do in this. We grow angry, we grow bitter, and we stop working. That's where you are. This passage, this passage is, is a sweet call to you to return to your Lord. He's not done with you. You may have given up. You may feel like you're lost. But he's not done with you. He can renew you. He can revive that desire you once had to serve him with all that you are. He can return to you the joy of your salvation. You are not so far gone. You can draw near in his temple because of what Jesus has done. You do not need to go to some physical temple far off that that was built long ago. No, if you are in Jesus Christ, if, if, if he has died for you, you have been grafted into Christ, the true temple, and you can draw near to offer spiritual sacrifices at any time. But you can draw near to delight in his presence, to find healing for the wounds that you've received. You can find hope in the midst of your discouragement. So again, if that's where you are, let me encourage you, let me call you, draw near to the Lord. Cry out to him for this renewal. Cry out to the Lord. Lord, use your word and by your spirit, bring out of death life again. I know that you can do it, Lord. And I'm prone to think that the Lord honors those requests. That those are the kinds of prayers that the love lords to, to answer. And I, I say that as someone who's experienced that himself. That crying out to the Lord when it seems like he's so far you recognize the distraction that you've been so focused on other things. You recognize the anger that has built up. Cry out to the Lord. Seek His mercy. Ask for renewal. And He can. He can renew you. Because He's not done with His people. Even when we fail, even when we stop, even when we cease, God is always working. And he's always working for the good of his people. Amen. Let's go to him now. Our gracious God, Lord, we do thank you for the hope that we have in Christ. Lord, we thank you for our great high prophet who reveals your will most perfectly and shows us that you love us and that you are for us. Father, I do pray. I pray for each person here. But I spe pray especially for those who, are, who do feel that discouragement in their souls. Lord, there may be so many things going on in their lives and they feel spiritually dead. They have given up in some ways. Lord, renew them with vigor. Renew them with vigor for the things that you've called them to. May they again 
delight in being known as a servant of the God of heaven and earth. Father, we pray this, Lord, that your church might be strengthened, that it would be continued to be built. Lord, that we might make your name great in all the earth, that the praise that echoes in this room would would carry out into our communities and into the world that, that all might confess your mighty name and your mighty deeds, that you are the only, the living and true God. Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's now stand and sing to our God. Behold our God.
Now look up with the eyes of faith and receive this blessing from your God. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.